The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. But early in the morning, he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him. And he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses says we should stone such women. So what do you say? They said this to test him. So that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on do not sin anymore. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. This Gospel reading this morning is is one that's always very close to my own heart and... um, it's a gospel reading that I reflect on often, and I kind of go back to over and over and over again because it, it's just a powerful, it's just a powerful picture of, of the love of God as it sort of collides with, as it collides with our shame. And, and this woman is caught in the very act of committing adultery and you know, one of the things that we've been reflecting on on Sunday nights at RCIA and throughout this Lenten season, if you've been doing the Restore Journal, is the fact that, you know, all sin is, is really, it, it sort of comes out of our woundedness. You know, like underneath every sin, there's, there's a wound that we're trying to take care of in some way, shape, or form. And so it begs the question, like when this woman's caught in adultery, it just kind of begs the question, like what was her life like before? And perhaps she suffered a lot of neglect when she was growing up, or or maybe she was abandoned when she was growing up. Maybe she was orphaned. Perhaps some violence was committed against her. And And then usually after, after we've been wounded, we, we sort of make up lies to 
try to make sense of things or those lies to protect ourselves. And, and those lies are things like, I'm unworthy. I'm not worthy of love. I'm not worthy of marriage. I'm not worthy of happiness. Nobody would ever want me. The only value I have is my bodily value. And then in the midst of that, perhaps this woman, like carrying all of those beliefs about herself, she sort of makes her way going from man to man to man to man to man. Settling for something less. Or if she was a prostitute, like trying to make some money to to take care of her basic needs along the way. But most likely, like anybody who struggles with sin, she probably doesn't like her life very much. And then she's caught one day and brought out in front of our Lord. And it says that they made her stand in the middle. They made her stand in the middle. And so they sort of make her stand in the middle of this crowd. And now she's been exposed and everybody sees her for who she is. And and maybe she was sort of living this double life. And now everybody knows the truth about her. And they say to Jesus, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Moses says, we should stone her. What do you say? And our Lord bends down to write on the ground. And, and there's lots of people who would speculate about that. Like, what did he write? And, but I think the more important thing is just the fact that he bent down. Because effectively, he was bending down to place himself within her gaze. He was bending down because she was looking down. Because if I was in that place and everybody saw everything about me that I don't want anybody to know, I probably would be looking down. That's what we do when we experience shame. When we experience shame, we hide. We avoid eye contact. We don't want to, we don't want to look at people because we don't want people to look at us because we're afraid that they're going to see how we see ourselves. And our Lord just bends down to place himself within her gaze. And then he stands up and he says, the one among you who has no sin can cast the first stone. And he immediately goes back down. So that the woman will notice that he looks at her differently. So that she'll notice that his look says something different about her. That in the midst of her feeling unworthy, unlovable, whatever it is, he's looking at her with love. As if to say, you are worthy, you do have value, you matter. And I always imagine the crowd noticing this, the people in the circle that she's in the middle of noticing and and maybe thinking to themselves, like, how does our Lord look at her like that? Like... I'm looking at her with either vengeance or anger or jealousy. Or perhaps they're looking at her with lust as they're considering the sin that she had committed. But our Lord is just looking at her with love. 
And maybe they remember Jesus saying, whoever looks at a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart, and they start dropping their stones. And then when they've all gone, Jesus stands up again, and he looks at her, and he says, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? And then comes... Like the key line in today's gospel is when she says no one, sir, because the no one, sir, includes herself, that that somewhere in the midst of the way that our Lord looked at her, as he bent down to place himself within her gaze and she saw the way that he looked at her, she started to see herself in the same way. She started to see herself the way our Lord sees her. Instead of all of those lies and all of kind of the junk that we carry around and all of her shame, that our Lord pierces through that. And his look of love penetrates the heart. And, and this moment is really a moment that illustrates what happens in the incarnation itself, where God, the living God, who's been in relationship with the Father from all eternity, empties himself, he lowers himself to become like us in all things but sin. And then, as if that wasn't enough, he lowers himself to write on the ground because he wants to make sure that we don't miss out on that. That we don't miss out on that. And it's what he desires to do. You know, whenever we're struggling with, with whatever shame we have, and we all have something, and sometimes we deal with our own shame by wanting to hide or wanting to isolate, not wanting to be around people. Sometimes we deal with our shame by wanting to project that we're better than we are. But shame is always kind of measured by the distance between the way we see ourselves and the way other people see us, or the way we want other people to see us. And the goal really of human life is to live an integrated life so that our inside and our outside matches. And the only way for that to happen is, is to allow our Lord to speak to those like, most sensitive places in our heart, those most precious places in our heart. To take that risk of vulnerability so that we don't miss out on the look of love. And, and when his look of love collides with our shame in those vulnerable places, that's when that's when he makes everything new. You know, it's what's meant to happen when, when we go to confession and we make a really honest confession. And we say, this is exactly who I am. Or when we come to Eucharistic adoration and, and we just let ourselves be like, this is exactly who I am. Like, this is where I struggle. This is the things in my life I don't want anybody to know about, but I'm going to let you know about them, Lord. And just let ourselves be, you know, in that same place with that woman and, and notice that. That even the Eucharist is, is another way that our Lord bends down to write in the ground. It's a way that he's made himself visible to us so that we don't miss his look of love. And during this Lenten season, we're called to allow him to make things new. In Isaiah 43, like 
is this prophecy that's really fulfilled like in the experience of the woman caught in adultery. And, and there's this line where it says, remember not the events of the past, the things of long ago considered not. See, I am doing something new. Right? I'm doing something new. And, and that's a line that should come up. Like if, if we're ever struggling with our past, if we're struggling with the mistakes we made when we were a kid or the mistakes that we've made in college or the sinfulness of last week, remember not the things of the past. See, I'm doing something new. And it's really the prophet saying that the Lord's giving you a reboot, like he's giving you a chance to restart. And we can always start over again with him. And sometimes the biggest obstacle to that is when we're holding on to our past sins and, and we have that record that goes in our head about like I'm unworthy and, and all of those things. Because later on the prophet in the same chapter, he says something like this, like, do you wish to go to trial? Like, do you want to you hold yourself accountable for your past sins? Because you can do that. You can go to trial. It's not going to go well. Right? I don't recommend it. I'm going to give you a do-over. Like, I'm giving you a time to restart. I'm giving you a time to restart. And so as we enter into Holy Week, we reflect on, on that great moment in which our Lord gave us that time to restart. And even, you know, as we think about Lent and we're entering into this last two weeks of Lent, you know, sometimes we can be a little bit perfectionist about our lives and, and say, well, I kind of messed up Lent on day three and then I just sort of gave up, right? You ever like break your Lenten resolution on like day three and you're like, oh, oh, well, I'll try again next year. You know, I was talking to somebody, I don't remember who it was, and I think they said this was their husband's line, but I don't know if it was, but it was sort of like, you know, my husband, he'll like, he'll like accidentally eat a meat stick for breakfast. And he's like, well, we might as well have steak on Fridays. Right, but we can always start over, right? We can always start over. We just catch ourselves and we start over. And, and we catch ourselves and we go back to our Lord and we let him like speak to our hearts. We let him speak to our hearts. And when we give ourselves permission to do that, oh, like that's when the good stuff happens. Like that's when the good stuff happens. And we continue to remember. Right? We continue to remember all of the things that he's done for us. And so today, as we enter into this fifth week, and we've got this week, and then next week is Holy Week, to let us just pray that, that we have the courage to truly allow our Lord's look of love to penetrate our hearts, to encounter him in a way that's new, to start over again with him, that we truly may be transformed in his love. That the world needs transformed hearts. And that our own joy will be a witness to his grace, his love, and mercy to each person that we encounter.